Alrighty. Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? Good? Awesome. Cool. So my name is Hayden Woods. I am an a intern here at New Life Manitou. So super pumped to be here. So the scripture reading today is Colossians 2, 16 through 23. So I'm going to go ahead and read that right now. So 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon of celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the one thing that, or sorry, a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with the idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and had held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do you do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch? These rules, which have to do with the things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom. With their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in the restraining sensual indulgence. Thank you, Hayden. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are all in all that in you, that this passage says, that we have died with Christ. And Lord, you have raised us and you will raise us from the dead. You have saved us just as you were the first born of creation. You died. You were the first to be raised from the dead. You will bring us with you into your kingdom as it is in heaven here on earth. So Lord, we thank you. We praise your name. And all God's people shouted. Amen. Thank you. Well, I, I begin my sermon sometimes with a word for you. Uh, you could call it a prophetic word. You could just call it an encouraging word. But this is what I hope church is like. So I was thinking about this. I got home one day and, and just the stuff we have to bring. If you're anything like me, you have stuff in the car that has to go into the house and you want to make just one trip. And so you get your bag. I have my backpack and, and, and you got a bag of groceries and you find it like an old sippy cup from a kid under the car, then you got your phone and your keys, and I'm, I'm heading to the house. And I just had this idea that this is how so many of us, including myself, we live life carrying all of these things. And what if on your way to the house, on the porch, there sat a good, good friend of yours. And they're sitting there waiting for you. They're maybe from out of town and you see them. What would you do? You would set all that stuff down as fast as you could. And you would hug them and say, how long are you in town? Are we going to get to hang out? And all that, you would just forget about all that stuff and just drop it. And you would hug your friend. And that's this morning, how I hope coming into church might be like. And I will let you think about that and meditate 
meditate on that as we preach, as I preach this word from Colossians. So turn there if you would. If you brought a paper Bible, extra credit to you. Any, anybody bring a paper? Yes, amen. Th- those are becoming rarer and rarer. Uh, they're almost extinct, but because of the, everyone has it on their phone, but, but extra credit for bringing paper Bibles. Turn to the book of Colossians. We have been in this series where it begins with Colossians 1, talk, talking about how Paul to this church in Colossians, Paul says, Jesus is everything. He created it all. All things were made through him. He is God himself. He is Christ. He is God. And we should give our lives to him. And then last week we talked about the verse, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Remain in him. That was last week's message. Message. And I made some uh, jokes about some songs that uh, are on a kid's CD that, uh, do you remember this? And I sang one of them for you and y'all looked at me and I was embarrassed. But there's these kid's CDs. And I think I forgot to say that the kid's CDs are all based on the book of Colossians. They're not just random verses from the Bible. Every single verse and is being sung on these CDs is from Colossians. And I was at the meeting where the senior staff uh, of the different congregations decided, Let, let's preach on Colossians. And then the next week, the senior staff of uh, the kids ministry came in and said, hey, guess what we're going to do our summer sermon series on for the kids camp. And they said, Colossians. We were like, oh my gosh, the Lord must be doing something here. This is great. We're all on the same page, literally. Anyways, I I have a few, for those of you with kids or without kids, I have some of those CDs at the back table and that you could get them and listen to Colossians being sung by people at New Life that have written these songs based on scripture. So that's back there as a side note. But turn into your Bibles to Colossians 2 verse 16. And we're going to get into today's sermon is about how we remain in Christ. And that is not about all the rules. Do you guys like rules? Raise your hand if you like rules. All of you that are not raising your hand, you love rules. We as humans, we just make rules and we love rules. I think about different things that I do throughout my week and different people I I interact with. And usually when something goes wrong, the solution is, oh, well, you know what we need? We need another rule. So yeah, that'll solve everything, won't it? I think about, I I serve on Wednesdays at the food pantry in Manitou Springs. It's awesome. It's great. It's, it looks more like a farmer's market than a pantry. And, and some of you volunteer, some of you have been there and it's wonderful to see if you ever need food, come by. We always have extra. If any of you want to serve on Wednesdays from one to two, we always, and then kind of leading up to that, we need lots of help. Uh, It happens right downtown Manitou Springs. Come talk to me later. But anyways, uh, I was thinking we, we got it. We usually don't in junk food, but a couple weeks ago we got in some junk food, some chips, and it was salt and vinegar, my favorite flavor. And there was a mound of like these little bags of chips. It's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to, I usually don't take anything, but I'm going to take some chips because these are delicious and I'm hungry right now. And so I had it in my mind. I'm going to take some of these salt and vinegar chips. And there was just a mound of all these different flavors. But a couple people went ahead of me and, and my favorite flavor was then gone. And so I immediately in my head, I was like, we need a rule, a new rule. Like you'd only take two, two flavors of any kind. And then I caught myself like, who who am I? Like, I don't need this junk food. Like we don't need a new rule to solve all the issues. I think about the, the, the government, like we all, the, the, the pages and pages of rules and laws we have, something goes wrong and it's like, Oh, you know what we need? A new rule. A rule will solve everything. I was talking to Ed Longfield, the superintendent of Manitou Springs School District, um, who is a new lifer, by the way. Um, but he, he was talking about how when he started 
principal uh, years ago. He said the documents for the legal stuff for the school were, was basically like a pamphlet. And he said, nowadays, all the rules and laws for school districts and schools, elementary schools, high schools, so on and so forth, it is literally like an encyclopedia that's updated every year. We as humans just love rules. And today, what I'm saying right now is is about how we as church people, religious things that we do, we can place upon ourselves, we can place on other people, rules upon rules, and that is not good. Paul says this, he says, don't let anyone judge you by what you, and then he goes on and gives some examples. The first point this morning, point number one is this, don't follow worthless rules, the reality is found in Christ. Don't follow the worthless rules. Paul says this, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink in regard to religious festivals, new moon celebrations, Sabbath days. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. Interesting past tense thing there. These are the shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So what's going on here? Paul's saying, well, don't let other people judge you on the basis of, and he lists some things, what you eat and drink, these religious festivals, new moons, Sabbath day. What is this stuff? It's some interesting stuff. I mean, it's stuff that we probably don't think about too much because this is 2,000 years old. And Paul is probably, because we know that in a lot of his other letters in the context, he was writing to Jewish people who had just gotten to be Christians. And they are following old religious rules from the Old Testament and all these things that the Jewish people and the Jewish tradition added on again and again and again, just like everybody does. That's what we do as humans. We add more and more rules to things, thinking we're helping, but actually we could be, and we probably are, Paul is saying, this is actually taking away. He talks about the festivals, uh, the customs, talks about all these feasts and things. He mentions, uh, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. And in other letters, he mentions, like this was a very real problem in the first century, that meat, you couldn't get meat unless that meat was sacrificed to an idol, to a little G God in a temple. And so many Christians were like, I'm not even going to eat any meat. And some Christians were like, well, maybe I'll eat some meat. And other Christians were like, this is no big deal. And this led to a lot of problems within the church. You can't imagine that, right? Like you can't imagine people with opinions arguing with other people in the church. Could you? No, of course not at New Life Manitou. That would be ridiculous. Of course not. But this was happening in the first century. People were really judging each other, judging each other about non-moral things. So what this is about, if th- some of you are taking notes, all this is about, this, what this is about is legalism on morally neutral things. So Paul is saying, don't let people judge you on these things. And he lists some things. And what are they? Write this down. This is about legalism on morally neutral things. This is not about, Paul isn't saying, don't let anyone judge you ever, no matter what. He's not saying that. He's not saying, like, don't let, if you commit murder, don't let anyone judge you. No, that judgment is going to happen, and that might be a good thing for people that have committed murder to to come back to the Lord. If you've done a grievous sin, then judgment is going to come, and that's actually good for society, and it might even be good for you. Paul is saying, don't let anyone judge you on these things, and they're all morally neutral things. How can we apply this to today? Well, I thought about a couple things. I thought about, uh, Paul specifically mentions religious festivals. Do we have religious festivals? 
Well, kind of. I thought about like Christmas and some of you, how you celebrate Christmas. Like people judge each other. Like there's some people that start celebrating Christmas right after Halloween. That's a horrible idea. Don't do that. And there's some people who do it correctly and celebrate right after Thanksgiving. But if you're in here and you start celebrating Christmas right before, right after Thanksgiving, and I think that's wrong, well then don't let me judge you. This is a morally neutral thing. And when you decide to start celebrating Christmas, which is all about Christ coming into this world, well, then you do that. And that's okay. I thought about another example of uh, clothes that we wear. I think about uh, some churches you dress up and you wear ties and the women wear bonnets and, and dresses. Uh, and, and those churches could look at our church and be like, is this church or is this a picnic? And they would judge us. And we would say, don't let people judge us by what we're wearing. In fact, even me wearing what I usually wear, uh, on Wednesday, I was at a meeting in Manitou and someone called me and said, Joe, why are you always dressed up? You're always making all of us look bad. And I felt, I took off my jacket and there's like, I don't know, I just have a t-shirt on. And it was okay. Like, like, but don't, these things become such big deals in churches. I think about uh, um, in the religious, uh, in the first century, when Paul is writing, the Sabbath was a really big deal. If you read the Gospels, Jesus was continually getting into arguments about what people could or could not do on the Sabbath. So the Lord has given us a day off, and we're still supposed to observe a day off each week. We get to, and we should. It's a command of God to take a day off each week and do no work. But then how do you apply that? What's that mean? Well, what does that mean um, You know, to do no work at home? Like, what if, what if something needs to be done? What if your sink's leaking? Does that mean no work? Well, maybe you could fix your sink. And then we get into these rules. Well, don't do anything productive. And it's like, well, is turning on a light productive? Well, technically it is, but you could, well, you know, we can get really wrapped up, which the first century Christians did trying to follow these old Jewish customs and these traditions that led them into all this legalism. And Paul is saying, don't forget that you're, you're losing the point. You are, you are missing the head, which is Christ. Here's the last one. The last example I give, and this one's like, Ooh, yeah, this one's, this one's, this is the church today. And I think about the style in which churches choose to do worship music. Ooh, yeah, this is, yeah, that's, because uh, our church, we, we can talk about the beats per minute. I mean, we're a pretty, if you come here, you say, oh, this is a pretty lively church. And we would say, yeah, it's like Psalm 150, praise the Lord with timbrel and dancing, praise the Lord with cymbals. We have cymbals, Joel was in there, but hitting the cymbals and loud cymbals, Psalm 150. Like this is a very loud sounding Psalm. And we at New Life Manitou were like, yeah, this is, this is how we, we worship the Lord and we lift our hands and praise and we sing loudly because we love the Lord. And other churches could look at our church and say, you know, at our church, a different church could say, you know, we're much more reverent. We have an organ and, and the beats per minute is slower. And they could look at new life and say, oh, it's just hippie and hypey and, and, and whatever. And we would say, no, 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 we're, we're doing this because we have joy to the Lord. And then we could be guilty of looking at other churches and say, oh, those churches are, you know, they're, they're slow music and, and it's just dead. And they would say, no, we're being reverent. Both groups are, are fully going to the Lord and saying, we are bringing our first and our best to the Lord. And so do not judge each other based on these things. The pet peeve of mine 
when it comes to worship is, and it's just, it's a pet peeve because it's kind of silly. Like I know what people mean when they say it like this, but it's, it's how it's being said. And as a pastor, I want to, let's just communicate better. It's a pet peeve. So, so come up to me and tease me later about this. But when people say, I love worshiping, and I just think, do you love God or do you love worshiping. And of course, I know what they mean, but it's the way that it's said. And here's the thing. I think we should emphasize God and de-emphasize the forms of our religion. I think that's what Paul is getting at here. So the second point, everyone take a big breath. (sighs) Okay, we're past that. I just thought I'm going to bring a little, that might bring a little, you know, a little tension here and that the potluck, there might be some fights downstairs. So (laughs) let's, let's not judge each other. Point number two is this, wise regulations have value for restraining. Wise regulations, if you have rules in your life, and many of you have lots of rules, many of you don't even know that you have lots of rules, but you do. Wise regulations, the things that you should be doing, have value for restraining. So Paul's talking about these new moon celebrations and Sabbath days and religious fests. And he says in verse 23, he says, such regulations have indeed the appearance of wisdom. So everyone looks at them and they're, oh yeah, they're so religious, they're so good. And and with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value for restraining sensual indulgence. So true things, true rules that we follow as Christians, the things that really get right to the heart of following God should have value for restraining ourselves in our lives and living for God. Let me list a few of them that I thought of. I thought of prayer, attending church, accountability, fasting, reading scripture, uh, serving one another, serving outside the church, serving inside the church, uh, worship, leading worship, singing songs of praise, Bible study, Bible reading. Like These are all things that, that we should go to and we should run to for rules and regulations, and they should add to our lives a depth and a richness that these other things that are morally neutral shouldn't do. I think about, um, there's this wonderful program in town in Colorado Springs called the Springs Rescue Mission. Have you heard of it? It's, it's not only a homeless shelter. Some of you volunteer there. Uh, it's not only a, a homeless shelter, but they also have a program. The program's called uh, the New Life. You know, uh, that's our church too. The New Life Rehabilitation Program. And so if you're a man, you go join the men's. If you're a woman, you join the women's. And it's a wonderful program. It's completely free. They take in people who are usually off the streets and homeless and have gotten their lives so entrenched in addiction and of all kinds of things. And people are welcomed in and they live there for a time and it's a rehab. It's, it's awesome. They have, they have a success rate and they have people who have graduated and have become uh, fully you know, Christian and, and wonderful citizens in society instead of where they were as a complete addict. And anyways, when, if you joined that program, there are rules. And one of the first rules is that for so many days, you're not allowed any contact with the outside world. You're like, whoa, that's, that's intense. That's, you know, that's, that's quite a bit of a rule. Like that's, and so people that joined willingly, if they join, they're, they're told for this amount of set of days, like no contact with the outside world. And the rule is there for good reason. 
The rule is there because I think all the people they had been hanging out with are probably fellow addicts or dealers or people they shouldn't be hanging out with. And so it's a hard rule for a lot of people. It's a rule, it's a regulation, but it does lead, and they have their success rates over at Springs Rescue Mission, it does lead to them helping to restrain themselves. It does lead to them giving themselves rules. I think whenever we talk about rules and regulations, we should always have rules for ourselves and, and things for ourselves that lead us closer to the Lord, but we should never press those things onto other people and say, oh, well, you have to do it just like I do it because it has worked for me, because then it looks like legalism. The main thing is Christ. And Paul gets to that. He says the head is the Christ. And he has this analogy that, that Hayden read about the ligaments and sinews all kind of holding it together because Christ is the head and we are growing in him. So this last point, point number three is this. And I, I'm going to say it like this and I, I'll have to explain it because you could misunderstand what I'm saying and I hope you don't. But it's this point. It's there is no graduation from Christ. What I mean by that is this. I'll read this passage because I think what was going on here was people were saying, oh yeah, Christ is great, but have you heard about these angels we can worship? Christ is great, but have you heard about these seances and these things, these religious festivals? Yeah, Christ and the gospel, he's great, but have you heard about you know, this secret thing, this secret meeting, and Paul's saying, do not, there is no graduation from Christ. Here's what he says, and I'll explain. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen. Maybe you've seen people do this. You know, like, guess what? I had this great experience with the Lord. And they go on and on and on. And that's like, okay, but what about Jesus? What about the gospel? What about the main thing? And they go into great detail about all this stuff. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as Christ causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? So what's going on here? He's mentioning angels. He's mentioning uh, things about getting puffed up. He's mentioning, I would say, he's mentioning these warm, fuzzy feelings we can have with Christ and in the religious settings of the religious world. We can have these warm feelings, these warm fuzzies, and brag about them, like the worship of angels. That's not a good thing, by the way, to be worshiping angels and get worked up into a spiritual frenzy. This is not good stuff. And Paul is writing to a group of people who thought that was better than Christ and the gospel. As if there's like Jesus 101 and then like, oh, let's get to the good stuff. Let's, let's do the 401 class on the angels and these seances. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. The, the religious festivals, how you celebrate a Sabbath, this eating and drinking and what you do, that's actually the shadows. The main thing is the 101. It is Jesus Christ. Another way to say this would be to say, yeah, figure out Jesus. And once you figure him out, Come talk to me and then I'll tell you about the, no, like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't just figure out Jesus. He is the main thing and, and the gospel is beautiful and it is full. Paul says it this way. These things, so, so the, the seances, the angels, the, the religious feasts, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So you guys know um, Plato? 
like not the toy, but like the guy that lived in the 300s BC. So he wrote a book called The Republic. He gathered uh, teachings of the day. Socrates is mentioned in there. And in there is a story I remember reading in high school called The Allegory of the Cave. Have you read this? Have you heard of this? It's a very interesting allegory, a kind of a poetical writing. And Paul, we think pretty clearly, is referring to this. He's talking about these things being like a shadow. So how many of you have read Allegory of the Cave in high school? It was like required reading for me. I see lots of nods. Good. So basically, it starts off like this. There's people in a cave, and they're chained to a wall. I know it's pretty... It's a pretty weird image. So people are chained to a wall and all they can see, wait, people are chained to like a rock and all they can see is this wall and on the wall, it opens up at the cave that shines in light. And so these people who can't move their necks or their bodies, all they see is shadows on the wall from people walking across the entrance and and doing things in the cave. Pretty weird. Very weird, but it leads into like a very interesting spiritual and uh, analogy. And I remember listening to this as a high schooler and reading it. And then we got to discuss it at our tables. And I was kind of like, this is what Christianity is like. Like we are, we are in a prison in this world. It is a world that we can only see the shadows of the true things. And then when we receive Christ, we are, it's like the, the shackles have been released and we can now walk around this world and see it, how it truly is is. It was, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful in high school. I remember reading this and just thinking, yes, this is awesome. This is how Christians see the world. This is beautiful. It's like an epiphany that I had. And so anyways, Plato in this story goes on to say, well, what if those people got unshackled and then they go back and sit down and, and start making a big deal about the shadows? That would be so silly. Why would you ever go back to the shadows when you have experienced the real world around you? It is like Paul is saying that. These things, the forms of religion, the hows, the rules, the regulations that we have, they are like the shadows. The real thing, Christ himself, God himself, is right behind you and he is there to hug you, to to be in a relationship with you. And so don't ever go back to the rules and these things, these, these religious feasts, these religious rules, because Christ is the best thing and he's the real thing and he's right there. So here's a question for you as we kind of conclude this morning is how do we, and we are all guilty of this, of loving the created things more than the creator? As I, as I ask you that question, it's a question just for you to think about. How is it that, that we've all fallen, that you've fallen into loving the created things more than the creator? Here's another way to say that. If we start falling in love with the forms of our faith Rather than the one our faith points to, we have failed. I think we're all guilty of doing that in some ways, living our lives and, and, and falling in love with the forms rather than the one who created the things and the world around us. Would you stand up with me? We're going to bow our heads and consider this word. The band can come up and, and the communion servers, you can come up as well. Brett's going to lead us to the table. But would you bow your head with me and pray? Lord, the one we have been talking about is you. Lord, we worship you. This morning, as as we have talked about the forms of our faith, Lord, in this analogy, we, we turn around and we see you. We put down, we lay down the things that we've been holding, that we've been carrying around. And Lord, we run into your arms. We run into your kingdom because you have come to this earth and you are willing and ready to receive us. 
So Lord, we worship you. We praise your holy name. And in your name, Jesus, we pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.